It's going to be a really weird episode. Yeah. everybody and welcome to the Atcast, a podcast for the study of modern visual culture. I am your herald of the end, Soup. I am Seal's scenario for anyone. <laughs> and welcome to the Human Instrumentality Project where we all become a collective soup together. That's me, soup. I'm Soup. That's you. And now you will soup. be too. <laughs> okay, this week AT stands for Absolute Terror, or anniversary time, because we'll be talking about Evangelion 1.0, You Are Not Alone, or Evangelion Shin Geki Joban Joe, or <laughs> Evangelion 1.11, You Are Not Alone. Because the <laughs> Thank you like, for saying DVD, every single one yes, of the titles. <laughs> the, the DVD Blu-ray releases for this uh, anime, for whatever reason, have like a different like subtitle to them. Um, and I'm sure it's because they like do that Blu-ray sort of thing where they just add more scenes afterwards. Um, apparently, mm-hmm. Promare is going to have that as well. Oh, so I'm kind awesome. of interested in that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, before we get into that, what have we been up to? What have yeah, you been up to? Uh, so I don't know if I... I think I talked about this last time that I finished building my new PC. Yeah, that's I? right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I tested it out last night. Um, I played Okami on it while streaming. Oh, nice. And yeah, it worked beautifully. So that's really good because my old laptop, um, when I first tried to stream Okami, like it dropped a lot of frames. Like it was still able to stream it, but it wasn't great. <laughs> like it was just okay, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, last night it went really, really smoothly uh okami's beautiful game so it looked even better on the new monitor that i bought for the pc so yeah it was good (laughs) nice yeah Uh, other than that i still i'm still in the process of transferring all my programs over like i haven't i don't even have adobe and all that yet on the new pc so i have to Mm, do that and then i can actually work on it i could do work on it (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm um yeah other than that i was figuring out like apparently there is a wireless like a wi-fi adapter built into the motherboard Uh, and so i didn't think that i needed to buy a wi-fi adapter okay um last night i was having trouble connecting to the wi-fi and i was like okay well what's what's wrong and turns out that it's because the wi-fi router wasn't close enough to the adapter because the adapter has not a very large range like maybe like 25 feet (laughs) okay interesting which is not useful for (laughs) wi-fi i mean technically no i i suppose like the idea is that it is built to be more like a a normal desktop where it's supposed to be close to your router anyway but it just removes the cable but yeah that is annoying (laughs) yeah so i think I'll just have it be like a wired connection because there's a, it, it'll be more stable like that anyway. I'll just get a long Ethernet cable and yeah. Do that. I mean that's that's true. Wi-Fi will never well, 
Wi-Fi will pr probably never be better than uh, wired connections just because, you know, we haven't really figured out how to do that yet. Um, right. But, you know, who knows? I guess, you know, like 20 or so years ago, a lot of the stuff that we use nowadays didn't really exist. So who's to say never, I guess? That's true. We did not used to have Wi-Fi on planes. And now we do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, we also used to not have, like, security theater in airports, but now we do. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> some things get better, some things get worse. It just yes, the be future like is a give and take. <laughs> the future is a give and take, and we're living in the cyberpunk future right now. <laughs> People in the 1960s would be horrified. <laughs> Except... If they were, like, current age in, like, the 60s, you know what I mean? Like, they all grew up into baby boomers, and for some reason, they're really just okay with all of this. I don't know why. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yeah, is uh, new computer stuff. I remember you talking about this last time we recorded, um, which was not that long ago, to be honest. But mm -hmm. uh, I think you you hadn't completed this project until, like, last time we played D&D, &D, basically. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting. I, I like yeah, like that. That's nice. I'm I'm really excited, and there's a lot of room in it for me to add more stuff if I need to, like another graphics card or yeah, an actual coolant system. Because I just have a bunch of fans in there right now that mm -hmm. kind of yeah, I would case. yeah, I would definitely recommend investing in in a cooling system. I would I would honestly maybe even recommend like um some kind of like liquid based like you know water or mineral cooling just because it tends to be quieter. Uh, if that's ever like a concern, right? Uh, which I, I know right it can be not, if you stream, but yeah, yeah, it can be. Um, thankfully, right now it's not because there is like so much space in there that the airflow is actually really good. <laughs> yeah, the same. The same cannot be said for my current box. <laughs> it's it is like there is so little separating anything in that computer from the outside world. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's a very constrained machine. I'm glad that it still works, and I'm glad that I had moved it into a smaller chassis. Uh, yeah. But I was glad about that, you know, when I was still in school, and now that I'm not, it's kind of... I'm just waiting for it to die. Oh my god. <laughs> Mostly because I don't... I don't really know if, like, it can... I don't think I even still have the case for... Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um... <laughs> I really just need a paying job so that I can start to build a computer fund. <laughs> <laughs> Would you build like a bigger one then than what you have currently? Um, I mean, mine is a it's a it's a mini ITX board, so it's mm -hmm. like small. It's like thin form factor. It's not the smallest it could possibly be. Um, right. But I would definitely build like a mid tower, um, mm. given given the opportunity now. Yeah. Um, yeah. To build a new system, and mind you, like my computer is like. It's not, like, super old, but it's also not, like, super young either at this point. Mm -hmm. It is mm -hmm. very well entering, like, middle-aged for a computer. Um, but it still functions for the moment. Um, you know, it's it slows down every now and again. It seems to struggle with um, with audition. It, like, really grapples with audition sometimes. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> which is very interesting. Like, it, I don't know why, but it just uses a ton of resources. I... Who knows? Hmm. Anyway, um, but yeah, that's not a concern for now, really. 
by which I mean, I'm going to try to make it not a concern for now because uh, that's just that's another thing that I have to stress about and I don't really feel like it. <laughs> okay. Well, that's very exciting for you. I'm very happy for you. Um, Thank you. Is there anything else? What else are you going to do? That's, that's, I mean, that's basically it is just kind of getting this okay. PC up to speed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, I played um, Dead by Daylight for the first time. Oh, did, did Cole make you play? <laughs> Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. He plays I'm a lot of bad. that game. He's like the only person I know who still plays like a ton of that game. Oh yeah, he loves that game. I um I'm not a PC gamer and so just basic controls. I was so terrible. <laughs> I mean it'd like, be like that. Just like swiveling my mouse just to look around and then I get caught I get caught on a corner. And that's not a great thing to happen when you're running away from a killer. And yeah. so <laughs> It, it do be like that. <laughs> it's terrible. I might try using a controller next time and seeing if that's better because I'm just mm -hmm. console trash. <laughs> I mean, listen, it, it takes some it takes some getting used to, if, especially if you're not used to it. Like, you don't really know what settings are comfortable for you. Yeah. Um, personally, I, w I could never live without my mouse and keyboard. Um, by the way, sure. did you get a mouse and keyboard? Yeah, I did. Mm -hmm. What'd you get? Did you get like, um, did it just come with something or what? No, I mean, I, I still, I'm using my mouse from before when with my mm -hmm. laptop, so that's fine. Um, I got like a Kinesis keyboard. Oh, um, interesting. I think I've, I think I've heard of this brand. Yeah. It's like the weird like split keyboard design, which I thought would be helpful because yeah. I'm using, I usually tend to use like one part of the keyboard for like when I'm drawing and stuff. And then mm -hmm. the other one is just in the way. The other half is in the way. I mean, so... <laughs> Yeah, these actually, um, it's funny that you mentioned split keyboards because I was actually thinking of um, getting a split keyboard. Obviously, oh. I would be me and I would be really extra and get like a mechanical switch keyboard. Um, uh, but the one I was looking for, I think it's called the Mistel Baraco. Mm. I think these ones, uh, the, the Kinesis one is a mechanical switch. Okay. You can yeah, choose yeah. which kind that you want, like the red, blue, brown, whatever. Right, yeah, yeah. It's definitely mechanical yeah. then. Um, yeah. But this this is the one I was looking at because um, obviously like these are backlit um, some of them and I don't know they just kind of look nice. I mean the the logo on these is not too. Obnoxious. Oh, these are pretty. Yeah, but I yeah, think I was looking I, at this too. I kind of like the like um, yeah. the kind of like staircase like split on it. That is really <laughs> that's really nice. Yeah. Yeah, I well, like the white one. The white one is yeah. really nice. I like it because yeah. it's like. It just kind of considers what like you, what keys you'll hit with what like hand, like yeah. I kind of don't like when keyboards, um, even if they're split, if they like rearrange the keys to like fit a certain oh, form no. factor. Oh no! Yeah, that's horrible. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, this mm -hmm. split keyboard is is really interesting, um, and I would definitely be interested in in trying this out. Obviously, you know, money. <laughs> I mean, sure, but this is a nice design, and the fact that, like, the way that it's split, you can push the pieces together if you want, like... Yeah, it's cute, isn't <laughs> like it? Like, if you need to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They sell, like, um, keypads on the side, too, which is surprisingly nice. Like, I actually kind of, really love the numpad, this like, is, keypad separately. Like Right, like this is that. kind of funny, because I use a 10-keyless keyboard, but I have a separate numpad, because I like to keep the numpad on the left side. Yeah. Because it, like, kind of just, um, 
like it splits up the work that your hands need to do in a more even fashion. Like if you mm-hmm. use the numpad a lot, especially like your left hand is for the numpad and your right hand is for the mouse. Um, yeah. I know somebody who, uh, you know, at my work basically does ba- the, the opposite essentially where um, they use uh, the mouse in their left hand, even though they're right handed so that they can use the numpad with their right hand. Oh, because it like, hmm. you know, splits the load of, of what you do. Sure. If you if you do a lot of like data entry stuff like that kind of stuff is important because otherwise oh, yeah, you will yeah. damage your arms. <laughs> your poor arms. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would, I would very much be interested in getting one of these. Also, like, it's kind of just nice if you're gaming, because you only need the left side of the keyboard. Right, exactly. It's like, I usually only use the left side anyway, so... <laughs> yeah, the extra space would be kind of nice, so I don't jam my thumb into the side of my keyboard every two seconds. <laughs> Soupy? Yeah. Um, what a hard life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, like, if you have lower sensitivity on your mouse, um, it is better for you. Like, if you aim with your arms mm-hmm. and if you move your, your mouse with your arms. Um, because it's not like you're not putting as much force because you don't have to, like, precision move your mouse because it's like 8 million sensitivity. Mm hmm. Yeah. Which. Obviously, was more of a concern when I was like on a smaller, you know, mouse pad, and I had to like make do with the fact that like you know I could move it like two centimeters in either direction. Now right. it's not so much of a problem, right? So I can I can have a, a lower sensitivity. But yeah, it's funny that you have mentioned that. That's pretty much the only thing you were up to. Because when I really think about it, I actually haven't really done that much either. um i've just been mostly trying to get through this week uh because uh i'm officially on on winter break um yay and i don't have to go to work for like two or three weeks so that's nice yay um but yeah uh like grand blue i'm playing again Mm -hmm. Uh, i took a small like break where i just kind of logged in to to grab my like daily stuff and then um dipped but yeah, I I started playing a little bit this week. Um it's the I I I explained the entire roulette system and they've brought back the roulette system for uh this this like New Year's event. Except this time instead of a 100 rolls, they have 100 and 200 rolls. So you could possibly hit the 200 roll and then on top of that, they have a mechanic where sometimes um, when you like get, go to your to see what roles you get for the day, you play rock paper scissors with the mascot, and if you win, he doubles your roles for the day, which is absolutely bonkers. Um, <laughs> because you can like if you get two hundred, if you hit two hundred rolls, like the the thing on the roulette, and then it gives you the rock paper scissors option, and you take it and you win. Mm-hmm. That's four hundred mm-hmm. rolls that you're doing. Which is wow. which is to say, you you get to spark, so you get to choose which character you want after you draw three hundred times, and then you get to do a hundred more rolls. I mean, <laughs> the chance of this is is I'm sure astronomically low. Sure. Um, but I mean, it can it can double potentially any amount of rolls that you do, like even if it's just ten or twenty um, or a hundred. And there's a higher chance of doing a hundred now, so it's like, well. That's kind of cool. Minus, might as well. <laughs> might, might as well, might as well. So, 
Uh, that's that's kind of fun. I'm I'm excited about that. Um, I did my first rolls today, even though I probably like for maximum efficiency, I should have just waited until like 2 a.m. for the banner to reset because it's um, switching over to like holiday characters on right up. But I don't really care enough. Like I probably wasn't going to spark on this banner anyway, so mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I'm really not up to that much more for the rest of this year. Obviously, I have to edit this podcast and get it out before uh, I head off for my my respective vacations, um, which is going to be all right. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously, <laughs> family vacation. Um, we're staying in an Airbnb, which is hilarious. Um, mm-hmm. And it sounds like I have to make food for the week, <laughs> which is also oh. kind of funny. Um, I say week. Uh, we're going to be I'm going to be there for like two days, basically. Like, okay. I will get there on the 23rd, eat dinner, and then, like, go to sleep. And then I think I will probably, like, make f- uh, food on, like, the 24th, 25th. And it's funny because by the time this episode comes out, like, that that vacation will be over. I will be home. <laughs> um, oh. <laughs> or I won't be home, probably. I'll probably be on my next trip. But, yeah, I'm, like, essentially booked up for the next, like, week and a half, and it's kind of hilarious. But also, like... I I just keep doing this to myself. Ah. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fun. Um I told you, did I tell you about how I like hand ground meat for my burgers? Yes. Yeah. So, I did that um and to do that I bought a cleaver, like a Chinese cleaver, and I think that's the knife that I will take with me, the like one all-around knife that I would I would like to have. It's all um, you need. That's all you need, really, honestly. You need that, and maybe like a peeler, because <laughs> yeah, peeling so with as, that thing is horrible. <laughs> so long as you're like, you know, you just cook at home. You realistically only need like like a paring knife, yeah. like a bread knife, and a Chinese cleaver. Like, obviously, a chef's knife is is great. It's a great versatile multi use tool. But there's just yeah. something like beautifully elegant about the Chinese cleaver, which is just this big honking chunk of metal and. Yep. It's like, you know, it it is heavier than a chef's knife, but because of that, you have to use less force when you cut things, yeah. which is honestly yep. really nice. Because sometimes my hands yep. got tired while chopping, mostly just because uh, I've been way too lazy to sharpen my knives, which is not great. Um, I'm going to see if Uh-oh. I can try to do it like tomorrow, probably um, mm-hmm. before I before I head off on, on Monday, um, just because. You know, I I would like to have a sharp knife um, sure. while I'm there. Um, yeah. Oh, one more thing. I'm going to go see Star Wars tonight. Um, <gasps> Ooh, I, I say tonight. It is. We're currently recording on the 21st. So yeah. I will have watched Star Wars by the time you're listening to this. Isn't time yeah. weird? Woo. Uh, yeah. Do you, have, do you have plans to see it? Uh, not currently, though I know a lot of people are seeing it this weekend, so I'll, I'll yeah, probably yeah. get the, the news about how, if right. whether they liked it or not. I'm, <laughs> so yeah, I have been lucky enough not to really see any spoilers, except for, like, something that I might think, I, I think might be a spoiler, but also is completely predictable from the way that the, the trilogy has, um, sort of unfolded as it's been sort of hot potato baton passed between directors, um, with, you know, little to no conversation between them, it seems like, which is hilarious. And also, Disney, you're a multi-billion dollar company. How do you let that happen? 
But anyway. Listen. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it is, like, so mind-jarringly, like, not a good twist. Oh. Because it, I'm not going to get into it, but I've heard very mixed opinions about it. Like, people generally seem to like it, but are, like, overall just a little bit disappointed, I think. Is what people feel is uh, what people seem to feel about it. Like, Aww, that's a shame. It. I don't like what I've heard from the people who have seen it at this point. Are it's not a bad movie, but it's like, you know, it could have it could have been more. Right. Oh, okay. Like kind of like missed potential or whatever. Yeah, and I, honestly, like, could probably do an entire episode about that movie specifically, um, and we <laughs> might consider it. But like. I can definitely, I see it already from coming from a mile away that, like, I'm going to be like, okay, I enjoyed myself at that movie. Like, the experience was enjoyable. I would not say that it was particularly even the best Star Wars movie. Like, maybe not even in the top half of them. But, obviously, I haven't seen the thing, so I'm going to withhold, like, judgment. I'm going to, like, put my sort of prejudgment about it aside from, like, you know, what people are saying. Um, and then I will report back on, on the next episode to to see how I feel about it without spoilers, of course, because I understand that people take some time to see these things. And some people sure. really, really care about, um, you know, the first time viewing experience, which understandable. Um, it's an entire conversation that I would like to have maybe in a guidance episode, actually, now that I think about it, um, just the idea of like spoilers. But like, put that aside, it's not a Star Wars episode. This is about the better perpetual war anime <laughs> neon genesis evangelion um which i suppose we'll just get into now uh i <laughs> okay i have not listened to our first episode or our last year's episode about ava like i haven't listened to them in probably a year at this point so mm-hmm. if i repeat anything please excuse me oh <laughs> yeah, please excuse us if we repeat anything that we've said previously. And also, it's been a year, so maybe you shouldn't remember either. <laughs> One would hope, right? Well, I mean, I think we said some some cool stuff, but <laughs> really? but generally speaking, like, yeah. Um, let's talk about uh, Evangelion. So this time we're talking about just the first rebuild movie, um, which is funny because the fourth rebuild movie. Mm-hmm. Which is supposedly the final one, yeah. But we never know with these fucking things, right? You never know. You know, we thought <laughs> we thought End of Ava was the last Evangelion movie, and then we thought yeah. the rebuilds like happened, and then we're like, okay, and now there's more stuff. So I <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, um, I'm sure we'll all be watching Neon Genesis Evangelion well into our fifties, and I guess that's okay. I'm but fine yeah. with that. <laughs> we are just going to be talking about 1.0 you are not alone which is i and we've we definitely talked about this one i definitely remember talking about this but i th- i think it's very interesting that they um the ava team like the japanese like animator team uh chooses the english titles and that they're different from the japanese ones yeah yeah i like that a lot uh, I don't know what it is, but there's something very appealing to me about the way that the subtitle, like, unfolds. It's you are, and then in parentheses, not alone. Like, 
I'm not gonna lie. I think this this one phrase has influenced like more than a decent chunk of my like aesthetic like writing choices. I don't know. I just like it. I mean, it's it's powerful too because I mean, obviously, plot related reasons. The entire first movie is dealing with Shinji's loneliness and right, yeah, how yeah. he feels alone all the time. <laughs> so I think what's interesting about the titles is that they do tell you something about like what you're gonna watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but more specifically, it kind of um, and this this is this is actually like a kind of an, an interesting choice, like from a directorial standpoint. Um, but the choice to name the first three movie, the first three rebuild movies, Joe, Ha, and Q, like we've definitely talked about it, but that's the like traditional Japanese play structure mm-hmm. where you have like your prelude, your build up, and then your like climax point. Um, and what's kind of like very interesting to me about that is it is considering the way in which Ava is a th- is a three and a bit act piece, which. I feel like, and this is something that I've definitely complained about before. Um, I don't know how many times I've complained about it on the podcast specifically, but definitely to you personally in like, mm-hmm. you know, group discussion. I've, I've talked about this where I think that when people adapt movies or uh, adapt series into movies, they have to have a stronger consideration for the way that a movie is directed as opposed to a show is directed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, the greatest loss that we have from moving from the series to movies is the lack of the most iconic anime opening of all time. Like, <laughs> it's, it's not it's really just not disputable how iconic the opening is. It's maybe it like to give you perspective. They came out with some statistics recently to show you to tell you that um, uh a cruel angel's thesis is still in 2019, the year of our Lord, 2019, <laughs> still the most popular anime opening theme sung in Japanese karaoke places. Oh, like, that's beautiful. <laughs> it's it's no joke how many people like recognize this song. And obviously it's a fucking bop. It still slaps this this far into <laughs> yeah. its life cycle. Um, and then, of course, the like weird different renditions we get of of fly me to the moon at the end of the episodes like Mm -hmm. the fact that we miss those is kind of a disappointment to be honest like i do miss it um but i think there is a lot of like a consideration that that went into how the series would be paced and cut um Mm -hmm. mostly because i think hideki anu is probably just like really meticulous about it because he seems like the kind of person that would be sure but yeah, I mean, out of all of the sort of series adapted to movies that um, that kind of pan out this way, I think that Evangelion really might just be the best one. Ava. Oh, yeah, well, because it, it doesn't it feels like it doesn't feel like um, I'm watching a bunch of episodes strung together. It feels like I'm watching more or less one one cohesive piece. Yes. Uh, I, I love the way that they are able to just expand in it expand it in a way that doesn't feel like they're cash grabbing at least not to me but yeah you know (laughs) well the thing is you don't need the rebuild movies to feel like they're cash grabbing because that's what the marketing team for Ava is for. The marketing right? team is, that's like, is, is they're wild. Fucking, they hustle. They they fucking hustle. Oh like my they sell God, the figurines. Merch. Oh my they God. They sell like 
hoodies. They're selling wall clocks now, and they're only making like 300 of those suckers, which I'm super <laughs> jealous of because there's one of Kaoru and it looks amazing. Um, they, they sell the Don't fucking U- the UCC coffees. Like, the marketing team hustles, and as a result, like, the the pieces, the like sort of mainline um, pieces themselves, actually feel like relatively untainted by that. Hilariously, I love that. The, I love that the merchandising is so freaking shameless, but it leaves the actual product, like the actual movies yeah. and series, like they get to be as they as they're meant to be. They don't have to get like you don't have to put like sponsors or anything in them. Which is <laughs> which is funny because so actually. One of the one of the only pieces of product placement is the fact that in the rebuild movies they get to have um like real brands of of beer in Misato's fridge and that's like kind of the only <laughs> thing that I noticed like they have they have Ebisu and they have um Kirin. Oh so, yeah, they do. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's like I mean of course I would notice that, but like <laughs> yeah, um that's like the only real thing, because um, I'm pretty sure those were generic brand um, back uh, when the anime aired. Probably because I didn't have the money to like pay for rights and stuff, you know. I mean, um, yeah. But yeah, like Ava has so much, like almost a ridiculous amount of like cultural sway nowadays, and the fact that it's still just kind of the same like weird like adolescent suffering series is hilarious <laughs> to me. Like. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it, it is a very personal work to Hideaki Anno, and it kind of, like, is a piece that almost disdains the fact that it exists and disdains yes. the people that watch it in, like, almost a hilariously overt way, you know? Oh, my God, like, there's yes. That, like, there's that scene in the end of Ava where they just, like, show the people in the theater watching the movie, and it's just like, oh my look God. at these fools, <laughs> right? So it's like... In a very real sense, like, um, Evangelion is maybe one of the strongest pieces of, like, um, like, Evangelion is probably one of the strongest pieces of fiction that, you know, depict things that are, uh, unsavory and unhealthy in a way that legitimately kind of puts people off, like, right? Mm -hmm. Because, like, you have, and obviously this isn't universally the case because, like, um, when it comes to stuff like the the female characters, like you have Anno being like, okay, these people are kind of unpleasant and off-putting, and they're also 14, right? And yeah. then of course, like weeb culture went and and yeah. sort of uncritically picked that up. But a lot of the other stuff, like I mean, so long as it's not people who are like, oh Shinji's so annoying. I hate I hate Shinji, he's so boring. It's like, okay, shut up. <laughs> I don't care. But like <laughs> I, like in in a large part, it feels to me like it's like even when people don't really get the point that Ano is trying to get across, it still feels like they're not necessarily idolizing the things that Ano is trying to, as long as it doesn't relate to a female character. Because God knows, like people are so dense when it comes to that kind of stuff. Like it, it's almost amazing how how far the denial runs. It's like, uh, yeah. Are you put off by the fact that Ray is like eighty clones in a soup? No, bro. Like, that's I, that's I like hot, dude. I'm like she's fourteen. No, fourteen. You, it drives me crazy because there's so much of that, and yet, like, it just entirely misses the point of why he made these characters the way they are. Like, they're meant 
to be like, oh, hey, look at the fan service that goes on in our industry, particularly in mecha anime. This is yeah. why it's messed up. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, that's probably the only thing. And I, I don't think that anybody could really ever do anything that could persuade those people otherwise. Like, I it's obviously, I, I come from the perspective of I study literature. I think that, you know, polysemic readings of things, like saying, like, um, you know, there's not just one reading that's valid is fine, right? Um, mm-hmm. But obviously, like, you are a little bit missing the point. Like, I'm not saying that mm-hmm. you're wrong necessarily, but you are definitely missing a little bit of the point. Um, because the piece makes it pretty clear. But also, I mean, that's not going to win against somebody who's, like, sort of charging ahead and bulldozing with their own biases intact. So, you know. Oh, sure. I mean, it is, everyone's allowed to enjoy media however they want. It it is not necessarily the the job of fiction to force you to differentiate between those things. Like, right. Mostly just because, you know, at a certain point, it is not possible for it to. Right. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think that Ava is a very like, you know, despite the fact that it's like, oh, you know, a lot of places, Ava is very, very heavy handed. Um, I also think it's it's like very nuanced and very subtle about um, a lot of other stuff that happens. Like every time I watch through it. um. I kind of like pick up more stuff. And the fact that I have at this point sort of, you know, taken a look back at like stuff like Shin Godzilla, it kind of occurs to me more what kind of stuff like is occurring in that in that sense. Like I definitely I I looked back briefly through the notes and I definitely talked about um how we're kind of afraid of technology um outrunning like um or uh out out evolving i guess in a sense like our human experiences but i mean when we kind of look at what happens um and i don't know why but for whatever reason whenever i watch the 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 rebuild i always think that the scene when the eva goes berserk and we kind of realize it's not actually a mech i always think that happens later than it does but no it's like the first fight yes <laughs> i'm like is. wait shit it's already happening what? <laughs> But like, you know, and it kind of clicked when I watched it at that moment where I was like, oh, like, obviously we are afraid of of technology, you know, um, evolving past our human sensibilities. But we also have to recognize that technology ultimately mirrors our human experiences and underlying all technology is a human basis, which is inherently flawed, obviously, but Mm -hmm. also like... um, if we don't realize it, if we don't think about it in that way, then it can lead to pretty disastrous results, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, there is this, like, conflict between the technology that enables us, right, Um, in a sense, like, the technology that um, actualizes us as people um, and our identities, right? Yeah. Well, at the same time, um, being... uh, like reliant on human experience and also like subject to all of the whims of emotionality and, and kind of those primal feelings and emotions and urges. And I don't know. It's very, it's very interesting to me. Like, um, that I, I don't, I feel like I didn't notice as like clearly until now that like, you know, underlying all our technology is, um, is like humanity and human sacrifice. Like, because, like, this, it's not just the Avas, right? It's not just the Ava units. It's also the, the supercomputers that they use that are based mm-hmm. on um, 
uh god what's her name Ritsuko's mom yeah Ritsuko's mom um, yeah the Magi computers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah they're it's, it's all literally in their universe built upon human sacrifice right yeah <laughs> yeah no it's it's wild and I do love that how abrupt the first battle is because you kind of oh she expect gets a little rolled. more lead in yeah like he, you, like the boy can't even walk in this mech, and they're expecting him to kill an angel. <laughs> like it's like it goes about as well as you would expect it to go, right? He, yeah, yeah. He yeah. stumbles forward, falls literally flat on his face, and then Misato screaming at him to get up because the angel's about to kill him, and he almost gets killed. And then it, if it wasn't for the Eva going berserk, he would have been. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh, I remember what I wanted to say. Yeah. So technology enables us and actualizes us, but it also restricts us, right? Like that's the whole deal about the um, the armor of the Avas being to control and limit their power, um, yeah. and also their uh, sentience. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna go with that. Okay. Like. Like. Yeah, I, I would say so because in the first that first battle, uh, Shinji isn't able to summon any kind of shield or AT field or anything until yeah. the Ava goes in berserker mode. Right. I mean, it's it's interesting to me because it's kind of like this. Um, I I I think that Ava might be one of the like most nuanced discussions of how technology interacts with people on an individual level, like because obviously. You know, mecha as a genre, and I don't, like, excuse me if I've talked about this before, but mecha as a genre is, like, about, you know, bodies and about identity and about actualization, right? It's like the mech as a big metal body becomes the ideal form in which you can perform things and do things and have an amount of power, whereas Mm -hmm. out of the mech you're just kind of the squishy flesh person. Mm-hmm. Right. So in a sense, you know, uh, Mecca has the potential to be transformative and to be like radical in the way that it um, depicts bodies and identity in in a way that like is very reminiscent of stuff in like cyberpunk fiction or what you would hope cyberpunk fiction would be like. Sure. This idea yeah, no, I of agree. Yeah. Right, this idea of idealized form. Um, yes. And like, what what does it mean when you know um, what you project out into the world? Because like, yeah, on a physical level, you mm-hmm. you are covered in the Ava, right? You are piloting this big, technically it's a fleshy human body, but this big suit of armor. And mm-hmm. on a psychological level, you're doing the exact same thing with your AT field. So it's like, it is definitely not an accident that like you know. Um, it is this idea of like Mecca's idealized form because on a psychological level in, in the fiction of the universe, that's also what's happening when you're in the Ava, you're able to project your AT field. You're able to, you know, project your psyche into the world and it protects you from things. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, uh, one of the biggest draws of Mecha anime and cyberpunk and all of that in general is, is this kind of exploration of, of human drama through these these forms <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And then, the, of course, there's the the link with Ava's and characters' mothers and all that too. Oh, there's yeah, a this, lot of discussion to be. This had is there too. this is a whole other thing. Like, <laughs> it, sometimes I'm like I'm like I start pulling at something in, in like um like symbolically, and I'm like, wait, this is attached to something else. <laughs> wait a minute, this is attached to something else. This is a mess. But like you know, in this the best way possible. Yarn mess. <laughs> right. Like. So obviously, you know, we we just had this discussion about like idealized forms and how technology is like mirroring human experience. But also like there's a very big part of Ava where um the the mechs themselves are like the the mothers of like the yeah. pilots, which is why they're yeah. like kind of accepted as the as the the pilots. Um and that's kind of fucking wild, first of all. But I mean, second of all, like I think that Ava in a large like largely is about this intergenerational failure about your parents failing you and about yeah. how you have to pick up the pieces, right? Oh, for sure. There's there's literally the scene. I wrote I wrote this down specifically mm-hmm. while I was rewatching it about how um Shinji is obviously really frustrated by everything that's going on mm-hmm. and he asks Misato straight up like why would you put this painful responsibility on me it's when she shows him lilith underneath mm, mm-hmm. nerve yeah exactly and and he's like the the fate of humanity is is resting on your you guys's work why would you put it all on me and she says oh no reason fate chose you that's all because she doesn't know i don't, i would assume i don't think she actually even knows that it's because Shinji's mom is in Unit 1. Right. And that's why he was chosen. It wasn't because of some random reason. And it's not necessarily even because he's Gendo Ikari's son. It's because he's Yui's son. Yeah. And I mean, ultimately, like, it is random on, on a, a certain level. Like, it's not because Shinji is special in any way. He just happens to have been Yui's son, right? Yeah. And the thing about it is, like, also... I I kind of love it because like only now have I kind of just realized that like there's there's a very clear environmental metaphor to be to be drawn here which mm-hmm. is I think clearer in Shin Godzilla but like I think also is pretty applicable here where you know the world has ended mm-hmm. and they're just trying to keep it from ending more really yeah like. All of the adults, whatever they've done, have failed. And in some cases, have actually caused this, right? right. Like, the fact that the, um, that, like, you know, Gendo is, like, trying to do whatever fuck-ass shit he's doing. And then, like, Seal is doing whatever they're doing to try to create the, like, primordial human soup through whatever is <laughs> happening, right? Like, the thing about it is, like, they're kind of causing the apocalypse on purpose. They and are. For their own benefit. And, yep. like, that's, like, so easily readable as, like, well, people are causing the end of our planet's livability for us for their own benefit. Yep. And it's up to the kids that we have failed horribly to yep. fix it for us. Like, yep. It didn't really occur to me until, like, about now that, like, we're in such dire, dire straits that all the adults have just completely failed us. Yeah. Like, 
it is up to kids, literal children, to try and salvage this world because they're the ones that have to live in it. Like, fucking mm-hmm. Gendo Ikari is going to live for, like, for the rest of his natural life is probably, like, 15 years, right? But, like, like sure, everyone else has to fucking live too. here. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, it, like there's a, it, it is kind of eerily accurate about the way that we address crises, where... The end of the world has happened. Half of humanity has died. And these people are still going to school like nothing is wrong. (laughs) Right? Like, obviously, there are these organizations that are trying their best to stop this thing from happening. They are somewhat at the whim of the government, but also somewhat unshackled by whatever extra governmental powers may be. Um, Just sort of on the whim of, of whoever... Uh, controls them but like they've just normalized it like it's just normal that you go to school and sometimes you can't go to school because your school was drowned in angel blood and yeah you're, and they just you're go like, to shelter yeah they just go into the shelter and they're like well that's yeah. cool i guess we'll just wait out here for like no one is actually fussed about this other than like you know Kind of like gossiping about it in like the convenience store right. at the very like, beginning. Right, like Kensuke is only frustrated that he can't get the radio working or that nobody is right. telling what he wants to hear, kind of thing. Like more coverage on what's happening. The, the, <laughs> the like scale of this thing is yeah. so big that it's incomprehensible yeah. to people, and to the point where like Shinji's like, "Why do I gotta do this? Like, yeah. why do I have to do that?" Well, it's because. No one else can at this point. Like, everything else has chain reaction into something so utterly awful and so utterly unfixable that, like, it is literally just up to, like, literal children to save the world. And obviously, like, there is this connection between the top layer of the world is going to end unless, like, someone saves it. And then the, like, kind of like smaller layer in inside of that where it's like um you know like the the like governmental uh sort of um political kind of drama and then like the smaller circle within that which is like you know um Shinji's like kind of personal relationship and then inside that is like Shinji's like um personal issues and there's like a line running through all of it that like connects yeah. all of them yeah so like and I've seen a lot of people describe uh, Evangelion as, um, I think, Iyashike, but, like, this idea that your personal relationships define um, the fate of the world in an apocalyptic sense. And it it is interesting because of the way that um, I think that, like, I, I think that it's interesting when people link anything to apocalypticism, Um Obviously, there is the literal, like, sort of surface level reading of it that's like, okay, well, it's about, you know, uh, the environment, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like one one layer deep where you're like, okay, this is an environmental metaphor where, like, climate change is happening and we haven't done anything. We failed our kids. But, you know, like, when we look even deeper, like, on a symbolic level, it's like this connection between how Shinji's relationships with the people around him affect the world at large in in a in a like a grand apocalyptic scale like to the point where the uh when when like Kaworu comes down you know he's like the world ending threat 
personalized down to like a, a human level where he's like relating to to Shinji and it's like mm-hmm. everything that happens in the show reflects on Shinji and he's like yeah. the absolute pivot by which it operates yeah and he doesn't want to be <laughs> I mean yeah he doesn't want to be because like why would you yeah it's so difficult to be in that space yeah and like it is important because like as a as a teenager when you're growing up in that like very important part of your life where you're developing emotionally and you're trying to figure out and orient yourself in relation to the world and you're trying to sort of hammer out your identity it is a, it is apocalyptic because the world as you know it is ending and something right. else will be born out of it um something that you will not understand and something that might be vastly alien to you that you you don't want to happen but like yeah. is really almost inevitable yeah no i i feel like the last conflict of this movie really reflects that when they're fighting our our lovable giant blue diamond in the oh sky. i love i love the fucking <laughs> it's, shape it's my favorite it's my, <laughs> my favorite my favorite angel has cower is just shape <laughs> um is like screaming kind of, diamond oh my god i love yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> and it's singing in the beginning and then whenever they attack it it's screaming it's great i too am a shape and i like to scream <laughs> if you try and attack my car i'll scream <laughs> mm-hmm. uh but yeah it was um I'd say, like, maybe towards the end of it when um, the first shot fails and then the angel fires back in retaliation and Shinji's about to go down, but then Ray protects him. And then you start hearing the um, all the voicemails that Shinji's friends left him. And he starts remembering that because he listened to them right before the operation went down mm-hmm. about, you know, Toji and Kensuke, like they're they're supporting him. They're saying, you know, do your best. You know, you can do it. We, you got it. And of course, his bond with Ray and then his bond with Misato, they all just kind of culminate in that moment to help yeah. him get back up. And even Misato has to t- talk Gendo down like, believe in your son. Yeah, believe <laughs> you in your might freaking not have a bond son, with him. man. But we believe in him, and he can do this. He came back for a reason, and then he gets up and he does it, and it's and it's really powerful. Yeah, like, literally, you know, if he failed, <laughs> the world would have ended. Get, Gendo's like, get that boy out of the machine. Yeah, he doesn't belong yeah. in there. And then Misato just stood up and was like, okay, boomer. <laughs> and the force of that just <laughs> resounded out. Yeah, like, it, it is like, I, I think it is important to... Um, just look at the way that, uh, and it's kind of cheesy, but like the way that um, his part, like Shinji's personal relationships, do sort of come to represent the world, and yeah. it kind it reminds him of what is at stake because he can't grasp what the scale of the world is, but he can understand like if the people that he knows were to be gone, right? Right. So like. Obviously, that is something that has been explored in many things, but also it's Ava, and it was, <laughs> like, the original text came out decades ago. So, I mean, I'll give it a pass, you know? Like, it's okay, Ava. It's fine. It's fine, Ava. Right. I understand yeah, it, that I mean, the, the original yeah. work came from... Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, I mean, 
it is and and like this this is the thing right is that gendo projects his own failures upon shinji in in many yeah. ways which is part yeah. of why he can never accept him because accepting shinji means accepting that he's like fucked up and failed and is is a failure um and also a bad person but like you know it's why i think that he shows um more of a like paternal attitude towards ray even aside from the fact that you know she's like a clone derived from the cells of his dead wife like like beyond that i i do think that there is a level of like um like gendo has to project his positive like you know parental emotions towards someone but it can't be shinji because if he does it means he's accepting a part of himself that he cannot accept and right I, I think it goes the other way, too, where and this is not in the scope of this movie specifically, um, so you'll have to excuse me. But like when Shinji doesn't get out of the robot, like when he becomes <laughs> like dissolved into the LCL fluid and becomes a part of of unit zero one, you know, that is like on on the kind of like on the Shinji end. It is Shinji saying like. I I never wish I was born. I'm being I'm going to literally become unborn. I will crawl back into the womb metaphorically and disappear into my mother's being. I do not wish mm-hmm. to be a part of the world as a separate being. Mm-hmm. I wish to be a part of my mother's psyche. I uh, fuck off, Lacan, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. And <laughs> on the other end, it is about how parents consume their children and how they like basically like don't allow them to become their own people and this struggle is reflected in the other children as well like you have ray who is literally a clone of shinji's dead mom mm-hmm. and then you have uh asuka who can never ever get out of the shadow of her mother mm-hmm. like she's always haunted by by like you know what happened to her mother and yep. like it happens to Shinji most clearly because he literally gets dissolved into the fluid and ceases to be his own person. But like, you know, in the sense of intergenerational failure, like both imparting trauma upon your kids, but also not letting them be their own people is definitely a part of it. And eventually Shinji does decide, like, you know, I would like to be my own person. Yeah, I would like to f- go out into the world and now that I have fully developed as a human being in the womb, as a, as I've rebuilt myself <laughs> in the womb, um, yeah. I'm ready to go out there and, and get hurt and hurt people. Um, yeah. So, you know, re- really weird stuff. And I kind of am in love with it. <laughs> it's kind of really great. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of the rebuilds, uh, mm-hmm. Well, okay. One more thing about intergenerational failure, which is that all of the parents of the adult also have failed them. Like Misato has these like lingering sort of survivor guilt feelings. Um, Ritsuku also lives in the shadow of her mother, etc., etc. Like this shit yeah. goes down. And I think the best part about watching Evangelion, um, as you sort of like in different stages of your life, is that you start to recognize yourself in the different like you know age groups of the people like uh, you watch it and you're like 
I mean, you probably watch it when you're 14. You're like, ah, Shinji's annoying. Eh. <laughs> but like, you know, you watch it when you're a little older. You're like, oh, damn, like Shinji's Shinji's like real. Like Shinji has some real hang ups and, and all these kids are broken. And I, I understand that now that I have a little bit of emotional maturity. And then you grow and you're in your like early 20s and you're like, wow, the kids, the kids really go through some, some shit. But man, the adults have failed them. And then you're like mid to late 20s. You're like, oh, my God, I'm Misato Katsuragi. <laughs> I mean, hopefully you never get to the point where you realize you're Gendo Ikari, because if you do, you failed as a yeah. human being, and you should try to avoid that at any cost. But like, <laughs> like the operative characters in in the um, in the series, like you kind of grow up and you start to see yourself in the older characters um, in a way that's I think really cool. Is that like oh, it's all powerful, of the, yeah. All of the characters are so like unique and well rounded. Yeah. Um, but also they have their own like hangups and flaws in a way mm-hmm. that like it really catches like you 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 were like oh I'm like I'm like stuck on like a velcro loop yeah I no I love all of the insights that you get across the board no matter like what age group these characters are in like oh my god especially Misato like rewatching it now god. I'm just like oh my yeah god. you're just like oh I'm Misato Katsuragi <laughs> oh, I feel no. it. Like there was just so many moments, so many small moments, like um, like in the beginning when she first introduces Shinji to her household and she's being, you know, very cheerful, very energetic, kind of teasing him and all this and that, like trying to be welcoming. But then once he actually leaves the room, she's like, maybe I'm being too over the top. I hope he doesn't see through me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah, like, yeah. That's wild. And I was like, oh, my God. Or like when she is uh she's yelling at him for or she she's reprimanding him for disobeying her orders like she told him to retreat but he stayed and fought the angel so that he could protect Toji and Kensuke uh and she sees that he kind of looks away from her just like he did before with when uh she saw him uh with his dad like he gave her like the basically the same look and she was so kind of like taken aback that she dismissed him but then immediately after she slaps herself in the face <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. i was like oh my god this is too real <laughs> i mean i i feel like i don't say this enough but i do love that they just they don't really valorize the parts of shinji that like shouldn't be valorized like the fact yeah. that you know he is kind of he he's a people pleaser because he doesn't want to upset people and mm-hmm. the show is basically like, that sucks, bro. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> don't do that. It's really not worth it. Like, I kind of really appreciate that. Um, no, yeah. more than ever, really. But like, yeah, honestly, um, it is. Yeah, it, it, it's like, honestly, I think that the, the handling of Shinji is is so good. And I appreciate it more as as time goes on as like, he's just this fucking scared little kid. It's like I don't. Oh, he's so scared. I don't, all I don't the time. know how to orient myself in the world, and all of the people who, by all rights, should be telling me how to do things are absolutely garbage at that. And soon, yeah. I won't even be in existence anymore because the world will probably end. Right. There were so many moments during this 
movie that were key that in which Shinji actually opens up and he admits like how scared he is. He's terrified of piloting the Ava for good reason, because the first time he walked into it, he felt the pain of his arm being broken. Right. And then he al- he got like repeatedly bludgeoned in the head and he almost died. And that keeps on happening because people aren't properly training him. And so, and yet every time he admits that he's scared, people are like, okay, well, you don't have to do this. Just go home. And then they leave him alone in the dark. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Like Misato literally does that during one scene. Gendo does it a couple of times. And then Ray does it while he's in the hospital. He's like, "I'm, I'm really scared. And she's like, okay, well, then just rest for a while. I'll, I'll take over unit one. And then she walks out of the hospital room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. It's it's wild. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I in a lot of ways, like I think that the reason Shinji becomes like consumed by um, Unit Zero One again, not in the scope of this movie, but like I th- I think the reason that that ends up happening is like really as a person Shinji almost has like too much empathy to like know what to do with like Mm -hmm. he feels people and he connects with them very strongly but he feels their emotions to an unbearable degree like he is afraid of connecting with other people not just because um it is kind of like you know it's like the mortifying ordeal of being known but it's also just like you know when when he sees into their emotions like he kind of feels what they feel so strongly that he just doesn't really like it. Which mm. is, like, I mean, obviously understandable. And, like, part of this has to do with, I think, like... I mean, I'm sure there's definitely a, a parallel to be drawn here with, like, the angels, right? Like, all of the angels kind of reflect the the personal... Um, like, they stand... They, they mark, like, moments of personal growth for the pilots... In a way that I think is right. really interesting. Like, you know, obviously, right. yeah. um, you have, like, in this movie specifically, you know, the first angel fight where Shinji has no idea what the fuck he's doing, and his mom takes over and takes care of it, basically. Um, mm-hmm. Which is literally what happens. He's just like, it's literally, oh, it's okay, mom will take care yep. of this. Yep. yep. Right? And, like, but the second one, you know, Shinji has to, like, one step up and do something to accept that he failed the first time and like try again and three trust another person to like protect him essentially right oh well, so that, it's like, that was like the third conflict the second one was oh the second uh, one was the one with the um the 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 people he's yeah yeah with um mm-hmm. yeah yeah it was like it was it was the one and i thought this was interesting too was he decided that he was going to undergo the Ava pilot training, but all they really trained him to do was to center on a target and fire. Yeah. They didn't really teach him, at least from what we were able to see, any kind of like tactical remover- maneuvers. So when he does exactly what he's told, he t- uses the Gatling gun to fire at the angel. The smoke obscures the angel from his sight, and then Misato calls him stupid, <laughs> and then he gets attacked. And he doesn't know what to do because even though they prepared another rifle for him, they didn't tell him what to do in this kind of situation. He has no idea. He's he's a kid and he doesn't mm-hmm. know how to think for himself. And so he gets attacked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that the the second yeah, the second fight, you're right, um is uh is the one where he's like um protecting the boys. And I think that's important too just because like it is the f- 
it is the the transition moment between the two conflicts where yes. he is one protecting other people, which is important. Mm-hmm. Like he he has yeah. tangibly protected people. Um and two, he also like lets them into the pod, which is like the physical manifestation of like the inside of your brain, like your inner psyche. <laughs> so like it's interesting because that's the moment where um both like in a visual sense and mm-hmm. in a like story sense they become friends right yeah he doesn't even like them like they don't even like each other because toji had just right. finished punching the crap out of shinji <laughs> but like you know they're the point at which they understand each other is is the point at yeah. which they get accepted into the like um into the the pod yeah yep. and boy oh you know <laughs> like really whoa <laughs> right like you get you get this moment where Shinji lets people into his life. And then in the next fight, Shinji like forces himself into someone else's life for their sake. Mm -hmm. So it's like you have these three conflicts with the angels marking three different points of his psychological development as a human being, um, as a, as a functioning person able to, to help others. Um, and, you know, do it in a, in a way that's not like getting overwhelmed, like you actually doing something like it is. I mean, I never remember when they cut off the, the first movie because I always I always think that they like don't show the last shot, but they do. And then the angel dies. I'm like, OK, good, because if they didn't, I would be disappointed. I'd be like, I love where they ended it, which was that moment yeah, between. It's a really good. Shinji it's a really good energy. It's uh, so it's powerful. Really <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, also, it's interesting because it it exactly mirrors what Gendo did. Yes, it does. And so it it is this moment where Shinji is is emulating Gendo, but not in the way that, like, you know, we understand Gendo as, like, the worst father on planet Earth. Mm -hmm. um, But as, like, somebody who actually, like, legitimately cares about someone or something. Yeah. The fact that he can do that while also not becoming the rest of Gendo Ikari is, I think, important. Yes. Like, you I think, see, like, the real contrast between them. Yeah. And it's so good. <laughs> and so, like, there is this sense that you can be, like, somebody who is kind of a dick. Um, mm-hmm. But if you just, like, take the good parts, then you can be a better person. And, like, also... It's like generationally, like you can be a better person. You can get past the kind of like trauma that the previous generation has inflicted upon you. Now, mind you, we know how the series goes. <laughs> so we're still waiting on that fourth movie. But like, I, I think it's, it's it, there's a very strong case for how the, the arc moves within the existing content. And honestly, I'm simultaneously surprised and like almost not really surprised that there's there's like twice the amount of story in in the rebuild where they're like okay we did the entire series now it's time for rebuild three which is what uh more stuff you're like oh this is a very i don't know what it is it's very interesting to me that like a lot of series and anime tend to have a series have that series remade into two movies and then have the third movie be a a direct sequel because like they did that with madoka too yeah which i think is kind of funny um 
I am very excited for the fourth movie um, because I want to know what the fuck is happening with that whole ordeal. I'm really excited from what we saw of like the preview that they showed at like AX and stuff like that. Like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh. I mean, it looks good. Like, I mean, I think it's a good time to to talk about this because, um, like, the value of the rebuilds is is very interesting because obviously, while I am disappointed that the openings and endings are not there, the <laughs> direction of the movies is not necessarily cut in a way that is vastly different from the original anime but also like it's not like it's not like they just slam the episodes together it actually just feels like one cohesive piece it does yeah um which is surprisingly rare sometimes um and i think that uh it is interesting to me the idea of people going back and just sort of remaking the same thing over and over again um because that's uh, Ava, like I don't know how much I, I I don't know if Anna will ever do anything aside from Shin Godzilla and and Evangelion. I think he's just <laughs> sold his soul to Evangelion for the rest of time. Um, but I mean, for such a personal piece, I think there is a real legitimate incentive to go back and try to perfect it. And I think Anna might be that kind of person. You know, yeah. he strikes me as that kind of person. It seems like it, yeah. And the fact that we just kind of keep getting Evangelion is inter- interesting to me like obviously there um obviously there is a, a conversation to be had about creative actualization about like actually turning your creative ideas like your ideas into a tangible piece of media and obviously Anno had budget constraints when he was when he was doing the original series sure. that just clearly don't exist in the movies because yeah. holy jesus they look good um yeah they're like probably some of the most just technically proficient anime like animation that that exists mm-hmm. out there like mm-hmm. it i will not say that it is like unique in the way that devilman crybaby or promare um is unique but it it is so like precise in how it's animated and everything mm-hmm. looks so good all the time that it's like honestly kind of mind-blowing like no one do these things take like four years to come out <laughs> yeah um but yeah i i, I don't know because it to me it's like um it is like when a director comes out with a director's cut and and what yeah. that means right of yeah. like well i just want to make this thing again right and it's like not in the sense that Trigger makes the same work over and over again, but in this literal <laughs> sense of I am doing the exact same thing over and over again, which is funny because um, it reminds me actually a lot of Haruki Murakami, who every book you read by Haruki Murakami is more or less the same-ish. Like, they're all so similar. They're always about the the guy, like the, the kind of like lonely sort of college-aged guy who... Um, you know, really likes whiskey and Western music and, you know, some, he has some extra eccentric hobby and then he gets into the whack, wacko shit, like sometimes like magic realism, wacko shit, but like, and I wrote an entire essay about this one, uh, when I was still, uh, in school, but like, I think that it is, it is interesting the way that we, um, as creative people will attempt to depict something that we have like inside of us. And we find that when it becomes um, 
something like tangible, it is somewhat unsatisfying to us. While at the same time, obviously being satisfying because it, it is something that, it, that you've kind of finished. But like at the same time, you do kind of always feel like, you know, I could have done more. I could have done more. I could have done more if I just do it this way, you know. Um, but unfortunately, like that is the um, that is the limit of uh, communication of language where something is like always lost in transmission. The the mm-hmm. the the absolute entropy of the universe demands it, right? <laughs> and so, it is interesting to me that that Evangelion is something that is like kind of continually being hammered into a, a fine like razor edge. And yeah. I don't disdain it. I think it's I think it's kind of neat. Um, I I just wonder what Anna will do after the fourth movie is out. Like, yeah. I would be interested if he was like going to do like a, a a new serialized like TV anime or like a new movie or anything of the sort. Like Shin Godzilla, sure. great, beautiful, delicious. I love it <laughs> because it's like you know it touches on a lot of the same things that Ava does. Uh, obviously, it's more about a specific event that happened in in Japan where like um, there was a big earthquake that happened and the like sort of. Uh, process of addressing that is was not very good in the same way that the process of addressing hurricane katrina was not good in the united states and we still feel the kind of trauma from that left over mm-hmm. so like these narratives are not necessarily exclusive to to japan like they're really and honestly i feel this more about hideka ano's work than a lot of other people except for maybe like Yoko Taro right where like it is it is a piece that is born in in translation where it mm. is so um so utter- <laughs> you know what it's like it's like um it's like that one interview Bong Joon-ho gave of of like oh yeah I thought that I was doing something like kind of like specific but it turns out a lot of people identified with this and I guess it's just because we all live in the society called capitalism and you know what same same deal bro same deal I, I feel that from Ava. Too. I like, feel that from Ava. Yeah. Yeah. He was like making something very specific. It's like a commentary on mecha anime, but also a really personal journey for himself. And then people were like, yo, I feel that. Yeah. I <laughs> and mean, then it became a wild hit. <laughs> ultimately, like Shinji's arc is about a lot of things. You know, it is about coming of age. It is mm-hmm. about, you know, uh, orienting your identity in relation to other people Mm -hmm. it's also about mental health right yes like i think ano has probably said in like a number of interviews that it's a very personal story about his depression and yes like you can definitely feel that when you watch it where like you know when you kind of watch shinji go through this like oh god especially if you have depression it's just kind of like ah this is real (laughs) Yep. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I, I I do think it's interesting because like if you read it from that perspective, again, technology is both the way in which we sort of address it and and allow ourselves to do things, but at the same time it can exacerbate those feelings. Mm-hmm. So it is yeah. it's like this like wonderful messy storm of different things that happen um and every every time i watch it i like i'm like 
哇，你要战死西番狗！哇，哇，哇，哇，哇，哇，哇，哇，哇，哇，哇，哇，哇，So, yeah, I think yeah. I think that's all I have to say about this one specifically.、Um, yeah, I mean, if I had if I had anything more to say, I probably shouldn't just for the sake of sake of time. Like we're not running、yeah. too long this this time, thankfully. But at the same time, I gotta go on vacation, so <laughs> you know.、Uh, plus, we got more movies to review. Yeah, I, I don't want. I don't want to. As、so. much as I would love to, I don't want to have to. Like as much as I would love to talk about it for like an hour more, I don't want to edit it for an hour more. <laughs> which is unfortunately、um, where where we might come to. But anyway, I think we've said said as much as you would need to know about th- the first movie. I mean, it's a it's a rehash of the first. Few episodes of the f-、right. series, but also it adds a little something more, and I think it's worth watching. Right? Yeah, yeah. I I, w- I would tend to agree. I think that、um, we will talk about this more when we get to the next movies. Which now that we know that like the fourth one is gonna come out like in a relative amount of time, I guess we should probably do the other two rebuilds, not as anniversary episodes. Just, I refuse to do them、okay. out of order. <laughs> I wanted to do them out of order. We had a discussion about this. <laughs> I wanted to do this episode, and then when、um, the fourth movie, which is literally not pronounceable by human mouths, <laughs> comes out, because it's like a, it's like Evangelion 4.0 music symbol. Like if you tried to feed that into a text to speech reader, it would just be like. Evangelion four point zero, or or maybe like sign four two six nine eight 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 point zero or whatever, right? It, it I I don't think it's pronounceable, but obviously it doesn't matter. Um, and I, I God damn it! Now I'm thinking about now I'm thinking about like fuck. Because now I'm thinking、mm-hmm. about like you know the way that like he keeps making Ava kind of feels like in a meta sense like the the like the、uh, the like time、yeah. loop sort of like aspect of Evangelion where it like、yeah. just seems to keep repeating and then like Anno keeps making Ava I, there's there's something I mean, and then the fourth、that. movie is called you cannot repeat so <laughs> yeah you cannot repeat and then it's the whatever sign because like you have the three the three things Joe Haku and then right <laughs> right <laughs> uh anyway um <laughs> I'm gonna put that aside from now uh we、yes. will get back to the the next movie uh and then the next one and then we will talk about the fourth one uh. We have plenty of stuff down the pipeline.、Uh, we're going to do the wrap up for the fall season, and then we're also going to talk about um, our um, like what we really liked from the year overall next time. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's wrap this up、um, and talk about the like sort of end of year anniversary stuff because like we have, and this is this is incredible to me, but this is the second anniversary of the podcast we have been. Doing it for two years now, two yeah, which is wild. Yeah, yeah.、Um, lots of exciting stuff. We obviously opened the Patreon this year,、um, and we have all kinds of stuff on that. I promise. I promise the postcards will come eventually. 
I I promise they will come eventually. I promise that Soup is working hard to make me make them. <laughs> as soon as Renu sends them to me, I can f- I can send them off. Um, like I I can put something on it and and send it off, and and you can have your wonderful postcards. Uh, we have not forgotten. We're just bad at doing things. I mean, Renu's forgotten a little bit, but I've I've I'm bad. <laughs> anyway, we will try to try to get that going. Um. Uh, as far as announcements go, because obviously we're at the end of the year stuff and nobody sent any questions, so we don't have to answer anything this year. We are going to um, change some stuff about the Patreon, so we're basically more or less going to knock everything down um, a tier or two, um, depending. Like, we will open the Discord server up so that anybody can join it, um, but worry not if you were on the server you'll you'll get to keep that wonderful wonderful second impact role aside from that uh we're probably gonna move we're just gonna move stuff down like i think we might move the shout outs down um at least for the time being and yeah so exciting stuff for the patreon even Woo! Woo! we swear those postcards will come eventually um Woo! <laughs> Uh, it's a. I'm going to okay, and this is this is a personal announcement. I'm going to try to wean myself off of Adobe Audition. Actually, Whoa. I'm going to try to. I'm going to try to wean myself off of Adobe products in general because as much as they are useful, and as much as I use you know Audition and um, InDesign and Photoshop and whatever, really, I think Photoshop is the only one that's like kind of like more or less like hard to replace. Um, but like, I don't know. I just, I do not want to be beholden to a service where I am not allowed to buy the products. Like if, if I could just buy Audition, I would, yeah. but I can't because Adobe sucks. Yeah. I mean, good for you, man. I wish there were, there might be even if I do some more work on it about like equivalents that I could use for work that would not forced me to just use adobe for everything yeah un- and un- it's a shame <laughs> unfortunately adobe uh, adobe photoshop is still the like probably the standard for um like powerful photo editing software like yeah there are art processors that are like on, on par slash like better um you know like obviously a lot of people have been picking up clip studio paint and they've been implementing a lot of very interesting things. Um, I actually own Clip Studio Paint, which is interesting. Um, yeah, I, I own Clip Studio too, and I do like it a lot. But I still, I, I there's still some certain things that I prefer Photoshop for. Yeah, and I, I definitely <laughs> agree. Um, it will be. Yeah. I think probably the hardest hits to me will be Audition and InDesign because I just mm-hmm. learned how to use InDesign, so this blows. But like, like. <laughs> I I really just don't like these subscription models, and I don't. I hate them. I uh, I dislike it immensely, and I don't think that my wallet can really keep up with it that much longer. Um, like obviously, yeah. we are super super grateful for the the amount of support that you have shown us on the Patreon. Um, but also like, I don't know. I don't want to be asking to like for someone to like support my Adobe costs just because Adobe is like a fuck, you know? Like yeah. Obviously, I like to make work for myself, as you know, so I will just learn how to do all this crap in Audacity. But 
that does mean if the podcast takes uh, an audio quality dip, um, at least a little bit, you will have to please forgive me. I think I know how to do most of the stuff. Uh, I think that the only thing that I'm like slightly worried about is that auditions, um, white noise removal, like the background noise removal is a little bit more robust. Um, but mm. you know, audacity is like a powerful tool. So luckily there yeah. is a replacement for that program. Um, yeah. I think there's a couple of replacements for InDesign, which I would be interested in looking at. Um, mm. the only problem is that I just have to spend time learning these programs, which is like more time yep. than I want to be spending. But yep, yep, yep. to be honest, like if it saves me $30 a month, I will fucking take it at this point. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, also like speaking of subscriptions, Netflix, like you gotta do me dirty and just put Carolyn Tuesday out, please. I just, <laughs> I'm begging you. I'm Soon. begging you. It'll be out in a couple days anyway. It'll be out by the time this podcast episode is out. Yeah, it'll be out. But that, that's really annoying. Oh! Uh-huh. I almost forgot. I almost forgot. This is actually really important to the podcast. We're going to yeah. be moving the podcast release date to Sunday because turns out when you're not like a, a weirdo college student with bizarre scheduling, Sunday is just a better time to upload. Like. Yeah. It means we can record during the week and then I can uh, edit it when I have time mm-hmm. over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it won't have to be late every like, I'm so sorry. It, so many episodes were late <laughs> this year. So many episodes. I mean, I don't apologize for the one where my when my power was fucking out because that was really <laughs> annoying. But uh, all of the other ones, you know, um, like I don't schedule myself well enough or i schedule myself too well really um but i've peeled back some stuff and i've made some time for myself and i think part of that is going to be in the new year um creating healthy habits so the podcast will be going up on sundays um so that i don't die Um, yay but yeah yeah um uh anything else anything else um before we like kind of wrap up stuff yeah um we're we're very excited for the new year um yeah and we hope that it it brings good tidings uh how where are you with the like videos right now speaking of uh i was gonna edit another one tonight but okay how far how far behind are we on those well i don't don't talk about it (laughs) that's that's okay uh we're we're doing our best we're a two-person team (laughs) and brenny does all of the graphics which is honestly kind of astounding, actually. <laughs> like you, you do a new one like every at least every couple of weeks, and it's really impressive. Anyway, uh, so yeah, just wait a, wait a bit on that one. They'll come out eventually. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for supporting us throughout the year. We we really appreciate you listening in and talking to us about it. Uh, if if you're part of the Discord server, I'm sure you've definitely, definitely heard us um, around just kind of talking about stuff like screaming about Stars Align or Hoshina Sora. It's fun. <laughs> it's it's a fun time. It's a fun time. Um, I I like to hop in and and have a, a conversation or two uh, when I have when I have some time because um, you know I like to talk to you guys and mm-hmm. again thank you thank you for listening thank you for supporting us. We'll Yay. we'll see you we'll see you in the new year. 
our we have shout outs uh yes so our shout out for this episode is frostfall thank you thanks man thank you you're gonna be probably our last ten dollar um shout out ever well <gasps> i wouldn't say ever we might move it back up if you know stuff happens but like we're gonna move that down to the five dollar tier so um here's your very special legacy ten dollar um sub uh, we're forcing you to spend less money <laughs> yeah how dare we yeah. <laughs> but yeah as the new as the new year rolls around i want to try to cut down the, the costs of doing the podcast just just a little bit like whatever i can manage so we'll yeah. be moving that down um but thank you so much for supporting thank us all you. of these months uh we really really appreciate it thanks for us fall yeah okay our opening is by scott Tune network who is wonderful and our ending is by takamakata who is also wonderful <laughs> and i think that i don't know that might be it are you like where where oh shit i forgot what, what, what? who are you <laughs> who are you who am i what who where can I? we find you uh you can find me on twitch and tumblr and twitter at swan drawn uh you can find me on instagram at swan dot drawn i have been doing a variety of stuff on my Twitch channel lately. It's been nice. either drawing or playing games or whatever. Um, I love games. I love games. I love things. <laughs> if you want to hang out with me, come say hi. I stream every Friday evening. <laughs> nice. Unfortunately, that's yeah. my D&D day, so I won't be listening. You will never be there. <laughs> Which is, I mean, unfortunate, but it'd be like that. So if you want to talk to me and not Suvi. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to talk to both of us, we're on the Discord, which is fun. <laughs> true enough. True, true enough. Yeah. Where can we find you if people want to only talk to you? Hey, <laughs> you can find me all places at Literal Soup. And in fact, <laughs> now you can go and look at my WordPress page, which is literalsoup.wordpress.com. That is where I will put all my cool things, like my ramen yeah. reviews that are coming. Um, there will definitely be one up by the time I upload this uh, episode. Um, yeah. There will be at least one piece of small fiction up there for um, my wonderful my wonderful friend, Blue Jay, um, who is supporting me, uh, and then possibly um, for, for some other folks who uh, have Patreon me for stuff. So, like, you know... You can support me on my Patreon. For It goes to the same place. Just depends on what you like. We've gone through this. <laughs> um, you do not have to double dip. And if you do, I might be a little bit scared of you. Just, like, just a little bit. Um, but yeah. Uh, so that's that, that'll be really fun. And I sincerely appreciate everyone that, per that supports me personally. Because I don't really make money right now. <laughs> so this is sort of my job, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I, I do have a lot of cool stuff coming down the pipeline. I just can't talk about a lot of it. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, none of them are like long term employment related. So, you know, don't hold your breath for that, I guess. <laughs> uh, depressing. <laughs> depressing. This is a depressing end of the year. I want to talk about something happier. Yeah. Talk about, you know, you're coming on vacation soon. Yeah, I'm going on some <laughs> vacations. Uh, I I got lost in a parking lot. The other day, <laughs> what? That's I, I'm sure I told this story in the podcast when it happened. But like, I got lost on the, I got lost in a, in a garage, 
Um, this time I got lost in a different garage, but only briefly, just because I forgot where I parked my car. I did find it eventually. It only took me about eight to ten minutes. Anyway. Oh my god. You, normally, I'm not that bad about, like, remembering where stuff is, but I parked it that early in the morning, so that was not ideal. <sighs> anyway. Yeah, that's that's what I'm up to. I probably will not have done anything super exciting um, by the time we record next episode, but who knows? Life is a surprise. Life, yeah. life is a highway, and I'm gonna ride it okay. all night long. Long, <laughs> all night long. Anyway, so you can check me out at all places at Little Soup, and I think, I think that's, I think that's it. I think that's us signing off for the year. Yay! Hey, thanks so happy, much for your support. Happy New Year's. Yeah, happy New Year's, happy holidays. Thank you for two years. <laughs> See you next time. See you next time. <laughs> See you next time. Said so I'd do it twice for the emphasis. Really? <laughs> yep. You extra. <laughs> Make my wish またしたね。